You are listening to episode number 18 of the Addiction Support Podcast. Hi, Oak Creek Wellness family. Welcome to Addiction Support Podcast, where I talk with inspiring people who share their knowledge and experience of addiction and what's working for them. This is addiction support for family and friends from people who've been there. I'm your host, Melissa Sue Tucker. Hey guys, Melissa Sue Tucker here. I'm the host of Addiction Support Podcast. I want to welcome you back. I have a really, you know, all my guests are special and you guys know that I believe that and I know that with all my heart, but um, my guest this week was actually an acquaintance of my brother's when he was still alive and she gets very real and very raw and very vulnerable of her years and years of addiction with meth. And so today she's very successful. She runs an apartment complex. She has responsibilities. She has her family. She's repaired relationships that she never thought she was going to be able to repair. And she's just living a phenomenal life. And she believes in hope and miracles and God. But in all reality, um, this podcast may be difficult for some of you to listen to. So I wanted to give you guys a heads up and let you know that that's what we're going to be talking about today. I want to let you guys know about a project that I'm working on called Share Your Story. And if you go to addictionsupportpodcast.com forward slash share your story, you'll find the information there. Basically, the reality is I believe we need to come together. We need to let people know that they're, they're not alone. They can feel better. They can set healthy boundaries. They can process emotional pain. We can do all these things. And it's going to start with people just sharing stories, you know? And I know that you're listening because you have a story either of addiction for yourself or somebody that you love and, um, you know, is or has been part of your life. So if you'd like to submit your story and have it either on addictionsupportpodcast.com or possibly have it featured on the podcast itself and be a guest on the podcast, head on over to addictionsupportpodcast.com forward slash share your story. Take a look there. I have a little bit of information from you for you there. And if that sounds like something that you'd like to be a part of, by all means, submit your story, send it over to me. It's going to come over an email. I don't have my email on the site because I don't want to get a lot of spam. However, you can click on the click here to submit your story and go that way. Or you can email it to me at melissa at addictionsupportpodcast.com. That's M-E-L-1-L-I-S-S-A, two S's, at addictionsupportpodcast.com. You can send me your uh, story that way. So you guys know I have a lot of things that I'm working on right now. So give me at least a week uh, after you submit it to respond to you. But do know that I will I will be responding to you and thanking you for being a part of that movement. I also want to thank everyone who's leaving the reviews on iTunes by subscribing and leaving reviews and the stars. You guys are helping more people find us, so I really appreciate that. If you want the show notes for this episode, it's addictionsupportpodcast.com forward slash episode 18. And with that, I hope that you find some inspiration and some hope and you know realize that miracles do happen through Amanda sharing her story today. Thank you. Encouraging, inspirational, and life-changing content that makes a difference. Created specifically for you by OakCreekWellness.com. 
I'm sitting here with my guest this week, and her name is Amanda. And actually, we were introduced through a mutual friend, and I found out after we became friends that you knew my brother, which is such a weird, happy coincidence. So you were gracious enough to reach out and say that you would be willing to share your story, and I really appreciate that. So I'd like to just jump right in, if you don't mind. Can you share with us how addiction has impacted your life? Hi. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, starting back in my, I'm just going to start back from the beginning. You know, um, my childhood growing up was um, was great. I had a great childhood. Um, you know, all my needs were met as a child. I, I you know, my family um, traveled and, and played in tennis tournaments, and I grew up on the, on the tennis courts, and I have one older brother, um, two years older than me, and you know, we took a lot of family bike rides and I just really, you know, I was always uh, chasing after my brother. I was a tomboy and, you know, um, just had really, have really good memories um, from my childhood. My mom was a school teacher and she taught vacation Bible school and she tried to always, um, you know, take always, my brother and I always in church and, you know, my dad, he would attend on on, uh, candlelight services on Christmas. Um, My dad was an accountant um, and, you know, they just just really, my parents really gave me everything that I needed, you know, and um, I never had really um, any, any, um, any uh, alcohol or drugs displayed in my life as a child. And um, when I was 12 years old, my, um, my dad had an affair on my mom. And that's really where all my, that's where I really just, um, that's where it all started for me, is when my, my mom divorced my dad and she moved I'm from a small town in, in um, Oklahoma, 35,000 people, and my mom sold the house, packed up, moved out here to Arizona, and um, brought my brother and I, and um, you know, I was very, very angry at my dad for breaking up my family that was very happy. And um, I was just very, I was 12 years old and, you know, I was just very all about me and I was very, very upset. You know, I wasn't thinking about my mom and, and how, you know, this was so hard for her. I was just very much about me and um, just very selfish. And it, um, you know, we were, we moved in with some, some family while my mom was trying to get a teaching job out here. And, you know, I, when I left Oklahoma, I said, I never wanted to talk to my dad again. And then, you know, it wasn't long before, you know, I was just ready to, um, I was just ready to, uh, (laughs) I was just ready to, uh, I wanted, I wanted to, uh, wanted to move back. I wanted to be with my dad and, you know, um, I was just, it wasn't adjusting well. And, um, you know, at a very young age, you know, I started calling shots. That's where I started manipulating it at 12 years old. I called up my dad and said, I want to come home, get me a ticket. He was so eager and so happy to have me back. And, and he got me a ticket and I jumped on a plane and, you know, from the time that I was, and, and so that just started a, um, very common thing of, you know, I want to go here, I want to go there. And so from the time that I was 12 till I was 18, I was jumping on a plane back and forth, back and forth. So no stability in my life. And, um, and I also moved back home with my dad and, um, you know, it, it was, it was probably right within, within a week or so that I started drinking, that I picked up my first drink and, um, you know, um, 
my very first, you know, drunk, I, I uh, was very, very um, angry and started to fist, uh, had a fist fight with my dad. And um, just from the very first drink, you know, putting it in, in my body, I was very angry and I was going to get drunk at you. And, um, you know, so I started drinking at 12, started smoking pot at 14, um, moved back out to Arizona at 14, you know, for a little while and then was kicked out of school for taking acid. And they thought that I was selling acid and, you know, I was taking sheets of acid from from here back to Oklahoma, like I was just a juvenile delinquent. And in my hometown, so then I moved back out here for a little while and then went back to my dad again. And, um, you know, that was kind of a, you know, I was known in my hometown as the runaway from Douglas Boulevard. And I was constantly running away, which was just a joke because I had, you know, my dad provided everything for me. You know, it was kind of a joke that he was going to buy me a pair of tennis shoes and a, and a pizza. And when I would come home and, you know, um, he would uh, he would come down to the the jail and he would put the chair on the other side of the bars and he would just sit there and he'd go are you done yet are you done you know and I'd be like dad come on I want to get out and you know that was just and 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 at that point my dad was desperate too he started he started trying to get in, in uh, involved in a church close uh, close to the home because he wanted to see you know something he was desperate and my mom was trying to get him to put me send me to a girls home or something but he didn't want to do that but she was concerned you know that I was really on a headed you know down a bad path and um you know my dad just tried so hard and you know I think it was when I was 16 um I got in trouble for shoplifting in Oklahoma City and um you know they they took me out of my dad's custody they said that my dad was negligent which he wasn't um he did everything he could I just was just out of control and um so they took me out of my dad's custody and made me a ward of the state. And if it would have been in Arizona, I would have gone to like juvenile uh, juvie or something. But in my hometown, I went to the children's shelter and they made me, you know, they um, they put me on ch- uh, probation and they made me go to counseling, which was actually really good for me. I started processing some of the stuff from my my parents divorce and stuff. And I for and I knew that I didn't like living in the children's shelter. So what I did, what I had to do to, um, you know, to go back home and I started started trying in school and I got on my, um, started playing, uh, you know, tennis, um, in high school. And my dad was really pleased with that and was really happy and did good for a little while, but then started drinking again. It wasn't long before I was drinking again and tried cocaine for the first time. And, and then, um, I was actually out visiting my mom on Christmas break and uh, when I was 17 and I was trying to get some acid and someone said, we don't have, you know, we don't have any acid, but we have some crystal. And I was like, well, what's that? And uh, my friend Jessica and I, we tried it. And the very first time I ever tried that, like, I knew that I was going to be addicted to it. And I knew that, that I just loved the way that it made me feel. And initially, you know, I you know, was out here on, on uh, Christmas break. And then when I went back home, it seemed like everyone in my hometown was doing crank. And, um, and, and initially I thought, oh, I can study harder and I can, you know, play tennis better. And I just felt really strong and powerful. And, um, you know, it just made me feel amazing. And it wasn't long before, you know, and I was started going to raves in Dallas. It wasn't long before I was, you know, dropped out of high school. And, you know, I, I was sleeping around and, you know, had a couple of, I had, you know, um, had, gotten pregnant and uh, with my third pregnancy which I almost um, had an abortion I was like oh I was like this is this is what I, I need to have this baby I'm out of control this baby is gonna you know is gonna settle me down and so I made the decision to uh, to have my my son which I am so grateful I did 
was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life because I was very close to not having him. And, um, and he's amazing. He's be 21 in July. And, um, you know, I tried to, um, tried to get turned around and, and, and be a good mom to him, but I was just, you know, and even I'm not proud of this, but even, um, you know, there were times in my pregnancy that I, you know, I, I, I smoked pot and said that it was for the, for the, uh, for the nausea or whatever. And I just downplayed, you know, I'm not proud of that, but that's, that was the reality of it, you know? And, um, um, you know, when I had him in my hometown, I wasn't long after I had him and I was like, oh, I just need to lose this weight. You know, I was just looking for any reason to, to, you know, it was like, there was just this, this, this little girl inside of me screaming at me to get high and to pick up again, you know, and just had this obsession would just kind of be sleeping for a little while, but it was always going to rear its head again. And, um, and after I had him, you know, and I just, you know, was struggled with the weight gain. And that was a big thing with crystals. I always, you know, could lose weight. And so, um, I was like, Oh, I just need to, you know, do a little bit of, uh, a little bit of crank so that I can, you know, drop 25, 30 pounds. And, um, you know, and I started getting out of control again and my mom, she had pleaded with me to, um, to move out here so she could help me. And so I could, and I had dropped out of high school. She wanted me to, you know, go back to high school, get my GD something. And so, um, so I, I moved out here to Arizona, not before getting my first as an adult, I was out doing like one last time on the town and I got picked up for picked up and was in a car and um, ended up long story short, like with a hot potato type possession of a concealed weapon. And I, as an adult, I got charged with a concealed weapon and um, I wrote a, a letter to the judge and just said, you know, this was a hot potato type possession. People were just passing, you know, stuff around drugs guns and I said that I would hold it and then I got caught with it but it looked like I was over at someone's house and was going to you know it was just a bad situation but I wrote this judge in my hometown a letter and um asked her to you know pleaded with her to let me out I was moving out of town and and um you know she had known me all throughout my 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 juvenile years you know and um from 12 to 18 and and she did she let me out and um I moved out here and you know when I first got out here I started I started doing you know doing really good and was um you know, was just really positive that things were going to be different and, you know, was going to get set up in school and, you know, I had plans of college and everything and um, was going to church with my mom. That was always my thing's mom, my, always my mom's thing was, you know, you just need to get a, go to church. You just need to get delivered from this. And um, I started going to church and, and was just trying to buckle down. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't long before, you know, once again, I'm, I'm it's it, for me, it always, it's always started with alcohol, you know, cause I always, always started there, never started with the meth, always started with alcohol. And, um, you know, it wasn't, wasn't long before I was drinking and back to the meth and everything. And just, you know, my mom went on for a couple of years and, um, my mom at one point said, you know, you just need to let us take your son so that we can, so that, you know, if you're not going to get it together, we just need to give him a good home, you know, and I started working in the cabarets, and I was, um, I was a cocktail waitress and a hostess, and eventually not, you know, didn't take long before I was dancing, and, um, you know, just absolutely just headed down, like, the worst road, and, um, you know, it was very painful, um, 
you know, um, there was so much shame and guilt like that kept me there for so long because I, 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 I wanted to be a good mom, but I just absolutely, I just couldn't hold it together. You know, I just couldn't because this obsession to use and to get high, it just, it just, you know, um, I'm absolutely through and through, you know, suffer from the disease of alcoholism period. And, um, you know, once that, that craving star starts, I, you know, I, I can't stop. I might stop for a little while, but I'm always going to pick back up. And, um, you know, so I went on for a while and I started, you know, out here in Arizona, I got my, I got a uh, driving before I was 21. I got, um, a, a minor in possession, uh, while driving. And then, you know, I went on and I got my first aggravated DUI hit and run and, um, woke up in the hospital, um, completely naked, um, had wet myself, was handcuffed to the bed, didn't remember anything, you know, could have killed someone. And, um, thank God I didn't got, you know, um, really good attorney. My boyfriend at the time was very well off and always wanted to take care of me and was always trying to, you know, put me in the best outfits and best cars and, you know, just always just forever trying to make me okay. You know, he had the best intentions of wanting, you know, just thinking if he could just give me enough that I'd be okay. Um, and that poor man, I just put him through so much. But, you know, he uh, got me the best attorney, did 12 days in Tent City, got out and went, you know, just went went back at it again. And, you know, I would think that after that period of time, and that happened so many times of going to jail and thinking that like, it was going to be different. Like, I've got to stop this. Like, absolutely. And then just feeling so guilty and ashamed when I pick back up again, but I wasn't doing anything different, you know? So of course I'm going to keep going back to the same thing, you know? And, um, so I went on, you know, and I eventually got a, you know, just hanging out and with some people and, Someone asked me to cash a check, and I got a forgery charge because um, I was going to trade that for some Valiums, and I needed that for my nerves, and, you know, um, just went on to just just continue to get in trouble, was put on probation. Um, I got a, you know, one, two, I got, I, I got a DUI, um, got pregnant a second time, and, um, you know, I thought this time I'm really going to do this right. Um, I had worked at Shasta Pools, had a good job for a while, um, and then ended up losing that job due, due to drinking and using again. And, you know, it was just like, here I was again. Like, I'm going to, I'm pregnant again, and this time I'm going to do it right. And this time, this child is really going to see me, you know, uh, see me as mom. And I'm not going to miss um, first steps, and I'm not going to miss first words. And that was really, that was really what I had believed that that was going to happen. And, um, but you know, nothing was different and, uh, and it just was just absolutely more of the same. And, um, so I had, I had, um, Ashton in 2001, December 17, 2001. And, um, he's 14 today and he's amazing. And, um, had him and, you know, uh, I was on probation. I had done also, let me just backtrack. I had done, uh, you know, some, oh, that's actually 
fast forward a um, little while after that. I went into my first rehab, Maverick House, was kicked out after um, 15 days, and just I just wasn't ready. You know, ended up going into a halfway house, getting in more trouble. Finally, get picked up from absconding from probation. I'm on probation as an adult. I am absconding, and um, I go to jail. And I did six months in jail. I almost got you know the two and a half years, but the judge gave me a chance, and she said, "I'm going to give you six months, and I want you to do the Alpha program." wonderful program did that program completed it thought you know for sure I'm absolutely like I'm absolutely better like not cured but I'm better and I am equipped with some tools now you know got out of jail and I didn't go to meetings I didn't do what was suggested which is just so important you know and uh got out and within two weeks of not doing anything different, you know, I picked back up again and like, how do I, how did I start this again? And just the shame again. And, you know, just feeling like always letting, you know, my mom down because my mom was always, always, always there. And, um, you know, my brother always there and just really have a really good family, you know, and just want to be better for my kids, want to be a better mom and just not understanding why I constantly go back to this thing that's caused me so much pain. And, um, you know, so and I just hurt. I just hurt so much. And I just was always just baffled at why I kept doing this. And, um, you know, and my mom would just plead with me to do something different. She would plead with me and I would want to so bad and I would make all these promises and I would really mean it like I would mean it, you know, and, um, you know, so I pick back up again and I'm using again. And this is after jail and, and, and my probation officer's like, you better get it right, you know, and she sends me back to a halfway house for the second time. The first time I'd gotten kicked out of the halfway house for another DUI. I'd picked up a couple more DUIs. And, um, you know, so um, got my, uh, went back to the halfway house. This time I um, completed the program became assistant manager of the halfway house, did really good. Um, I had gone, I'd also complete, I'm sorry, there's such a big mess, but I had also gone to, uh, gone to Calvary rehab and I had completed that, um, completed that program. And, um, you know, prescription medication took me back out, started having problems with my neck and prescription medication told me, took me back out. And I had a sponsor that told me, if you take these, these pills, you're going to, you're going to smoke meth again. And i fired her. She absolutely didn't know what she was talking about. She absolutely did know what she was talking about. And, um, you know, so it's just been <laughs> a lot of things. I mean, I've just tried so many different things and come back to the same thing. I mean, I absolutely cannot use prescription medication. I cannot smoke medical marijuana. I cannot drink. I cannot use anything safely like I can't. And, um, so, um, Anyhow, um, you know, I'd completed Calvary and I'd had these different, you know, things that worked, the Alpha program and everything else. And, um, you know, I, uh, I got off probation. I got my GED in 2005, got off probation. And, um, you know, I was, you know, and I had been kind of drinking there a little bit and managing to, um, managing to keep it somewhat under control. But 2005, I got off probation and I just was just went back right back into it. You know, it was, um, I don't even know how many, uh, countless trips to the ER was taking Soma's, um, I don't know how many times um, they thought that I was that I was going to die because I wasn't breathing, you know, choking on chicken noodle soup or, you know, um, out wandering, lost for 12 hours, cactus, you know, in my feet. Just 
very that most people would think that you situations you absolutely would not use again you know but I did I mean I've absolutely it's just you know and my mom would just shake her head and just be like you know this is the point of no return you know she's not going to come back from this one you know and um man I've just been graced with so much and I am absolutely it's a miracle that I'm here you know and um so, uh, you know, got off probation in 2005 and just went really hard for a couple of years just using and, um, you know, um, got married, thought that, that I was, that was, that was what I needed to do. I needed to move up to Payson and, 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 uh, you know, get married to my son Ashton's dad and that was going to save me. And that just turned out to be just another thing to just break everyone's heart, you know, and, and, um, just, just like a tornado through people's lives. Absolutely. And, um, and then just feeling so awful for it, you know, and a lot of times just feeling very suicidal. And, and there were so many times that that my kids, absolutely, my kids and my mom, you know, my family were the reason why I just, I, I couldn't take my life because I did not want them to think that they didn't mean enough for me to stay and try. And, um, you know, 2007, I had been uh, at the, uh, I had been at church. My mom had invited me to church, always invited me to church. And I had gone to church and uh, I had, you know, been on meth for a couple of days and I took a bunch of pills to calm my nerves. And after church, she was trying to, she said, she didn't want me to drive. And, you know, I was going to drive anyways. And I got my first aggravated DUI and I was two months away from getting my license back, which I absolutely had no business, um, you know, to have my license back. Um, got my first aggravated DUI, didn't drive for months, went, got the best attorney money could buy. And, um, you know, uh, September of 2007 after, um, you know, I went and I went and got, after not driving for all that time, I thought that I was going to drive another vehicle and they wouldn't know it was me because I was very paranoid and always just delusional thinking, writing down license plates and just absolutely insane. I was insane, you know? And, um, I got my second aggravated DUI. Got my second aggravated DUI in uh, September of 2007, and I just knew I knew I was going to prison. Like I knew I was, and um, I, um, you know, I was, I was, I wanted. I wanted to, honestly, I don't think I was truly ready to quit using and, um, but I wanted to knock some, some time off my prison sentence. And I went to Calvary again and, um, paid $9,500 to go in through the program left after 10 days. Cause I just wasn't ready. And, um, went to a motel six in Mesa and got my first drug charge. Um, and I got caught with, uh, you know, all the things I always said I would never do. Like I would never smoke meth and I would never shoot meth, you know, all those things. And then I get caught my first drug charge and I get caught with needles. And, um, you know, just the shame around that, just feeling like just, just the lowest of the low incomprehensible, incomprehensible demoralization. And, um, you know, I, um, I truly just, you know, it was just, that was such a dark time for me. And, um, you know, I just, I put everything in storage and I was just constantly just knew that eventually I was, you know, I was going to go away. And, um, so I got, uh, I got sentenced in November, um, 4th of 2008. And, uh, you know, I begged the judge not to take me into custody. Actually, that wasn't sentencing. I went to sign my plea and they, and I signed for one year flat with drug court. And um, I begged the judge not to take me into custody, but that judge knew that I needed to be rescued because, I mean, I was, you know, I was 80 something pounds and I was just a mess. And um, my, uh, my mom was there at my court date that day 
And um, she had never been to any of my court dates, but she was there. And um, she was beautiful. She was just, uh, it was the last time I saw my mom um, really healthy. And, um, you know, I went away. I did a year in prison and uh, didn't see my kids, didn't see my mom, didn't want them to come see me, you know. And I really, I thought that that was absolutely the end for me. It was the beginning of the end. Um, That time for me was really... In a lot of ways, it was really necessary, and um, you know, it was it was good for me. And I got out and uh, walked out the prison gate to my mom, who was you know um, a very frail, seventy pounds, and she had cancer. And um, you know, I I really believed that that she was going to beat it. And um, you know, I went home and moved home with her, and um, I was just very full of fear moved home with my mom and she promised me she was going to beat it. She was doing a lot of juicing and just doing a lot of, a lot of stuff to, um, you know, eating really, really well and, um, seeing, you know, different doctors and stuff. And we just, we just really had the hope that she was going to beat it. And, um, she, uh, you know, um, she lived two and a half years longer. Um, you know, they'd given her six months and they, she lived two and a half years longer. But, um, you know, I moved home when I first got out of prison and moved home with her, you know, I just was very restless, restless, irritable and discontent. And, um, you know, I just, I needed to get plugged into a program. But once again, you know, I, I moved home and I was going to church, but I wasn't, and I was going to go to like one meeting a week. And I had, that was the first time I'd ever had a year sober. Um, and I was, so I was a couple of weeks away from picking up my 18 month chip. And, um, you know, I picked up again. I, um, you know, um, I, uh, I got high and, uh, Someone came into my, came, you know, my brother came in one day and, and, um, you know, offered me, offered me to some meth. And I had been at the gym that day and, uh, I didn't think that it was a, a good idea, but I didn't think that it was, you know, it didn't seem like a, a good idea, but I thought, well, if I, if I smoke a little bit of meth, I'll be fine, you know, to drug test Monday morning, it was a Friday. You know, I, eight days later, I hadn't slept, I hadn't eaten. I had my, my probation officer standing in my, in my front yard saying, you have seven and a half years of prison time hanging over your head, you know, like, and I just remember her looking at me and she told me, she said, you're an idiot. What's wrong with you? And, um, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, two children, mom dying of cancer, seven and a half years, um, hanging over my head. Like you would think I absolutely have all the reasons to not be using, but I couldn't stop. And, um, I got my first sanction, second sanction with drug court, you know, 24 hours, 48 hours to go to jail. And on the third sanction, I did 72 hours in jail. Cause I couldn't, I was, you know, continued to, to, um, not pass the drug test. And, um, on the third sanction, the judge ordered me to, uh, a halfway house. And there was so much relief because I knew, I knew that I couldn't stop, you know? And so I picked this halfway house solutions, which is where I met your brother. And, um, you know, it was, you know, at at the solution, they, uh, that place will forever hold a, a dear place in my heart. Um, and there's a sign that says miracles happen here. And it's so true because I absolutely had a miracle happen there. The little girl screaming at me to get high was silenced. You know, they make you get a they make you get a home group, they make you get a service commitment, they make you get a sponsor, they make you work all the steps, and then they make you turn around and work steps with someone else and carry the message. 
And it was just amazing. I absolutely, I mean, I had done a lot of one, two, threes over like a 10 year period, but I had never worked all the steps and then turned around and worked it with someone else. And, um, and it was just absolutely amazing. I had absolutely found something that worked for me. And, um, you know, I stayed at that halfway house for five months. It was a uh, three-month commitment, but I just, you know, it was like there's no reason to go anywhere. You know, it was just really good. They had great food, and it just, you know, it's just amazing, the fellowship there, and um, just love that place, you know, and um, they, something really special happens there, and, uh, you know, after after my five months there, I wanted to, I moved into a three-quarter house, and um lived at that three quarter house for, for four months. And then, uh, one day my mom came over after the, after the, she had been at the hospital getting blood work done and she came over with my stepdad and she said, you know, when are you going to move home? And, um, you know, and I was, I thought, well, you know what, I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's time. And, you know, I'm really glad that I, that I did move home at that time. You know, my mom got to see me, um, she got to see me work in a program and she got to see me sitting on the, the, the porch every morning reading my meditation books and, and she got to see me and she even made the comment that, you know, before when you moved in after prison, you were, you were restless and irritable. And that's exactly what the book says. That book of Alcoholics Anonymous says restless, irritable and discontent. And, um, you know, um, I just had so much peace, you know, and she got to see that. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, started going to school to uh, to uh, through Rio Salado because I wanted was, I was looking into being a substance abuse counselor, and um, you know I did that for a while and moved out was living back out in Gilbert and you know um, was going to some meetings but at some point I became unplugged and I wasn't I didn't have my my uh, I wasn't rooted in like I was here in Phoenix, and um, you know I. Um, at some point, I just stopped doing what was required. Absolutely stopped going to meetings, stopped sponsoring, stopped working steps, started working on backwards, you know, um, took my will back. Wasn't in God's will anymore. It was all in Amanda's will. And, um, you know, I, I graduated uh, drug court September 30th, 2011. And I stood up there and I gave a speech about how this program, this drug court program had impacted me and changed my life. And I meant every word of it. But because I had stopped, because it, it's an amazing program, but, but because I had stopped doing what is required, on some level, I had thought that I could safely drink again. And I wanted to cheers to this big, this big, um, you know, thing of this graduation, you know, and, um, and I was, you know, I was, uh, I had, you know, started, that obsession came back and, um, you know, and I was smoking meth again. And, um, you know, it was a really, really dark time for me. Um, so September 30th, 2011. And, uh, you know, and I just absolutely, when they say that you, you pick up right where you left off and then some, it's so true. And, um, here I was living at my mom's house and she's very sick and, um, and I couldn't quit using. And, um, you know, I'll never forget that day that I got that phone call or that text message that your mom wants you to come home and say goodbye, you know? And, um, and I just, I just couldn't even, I couldn't even believe that, you know, here I was just using and couldn't stop, you know? And it was over a couple of weeks that we put a hospice bed into my downstairs living room. And, you know, I just absolutely just, I just felt like the biggest 
piece of crap that, you know, that I wanted to be sober and I couldn't, that I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't stop using. I was present through all of it. My brother and I both were, and neither one of us were well. We were very, very sick. And, um, you know, it was a very dark time. Went from living in the, the family home with my, my mom and my stepdad and the two cats. And that was a December and come January, the house was gone. My, um, my stepdad took one cat and went to Texas or went to Oklahoma and my, my son took another cat and went to Texas and, um, for the first time in his life to live with his dad because I wasn't well, I couldn't be a mom. And, you know, it was just, um, and I was absolutely, um, I was just done. I just really was done. And, um, I was really trying to, uh, at that point, I was, I just was trying to eat enough pills or I was trying to use enough meth to stop my heart. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't know who I was in this world without my mom and the end of her, her passing away and me, you know, having picked back up after having 14 months of sobriety. And it was just as ugly as it could be. I just couldn't even believe this was my nightmare. And, um, you know, I, I went on for a few months and, and, um, just, you know, just so hopeless moved into a motor home on the side of my ex-boyfriend, the, the boyfriend that was always there to pick me up and try to spend money on me and put me in the day spa and new clothes and all this. And I was just a dressed up garbage can, but, um, you know, he tried to be there and tried to reach out for me. And, you know, I just, I wasn't going to be in a relationship with him, but I, you know, I didn't have anywhere to go. Everything was in storage again. And I moved into this motor home on the side of his house. And, you know, it was, I went through, you know, just this, this time that was really, really dark. And then, you know, I, um, I reached out to, to some people from my church and I sent a prayer request and April Palm Sunday, uh, April 2nd, I went down for a prayer. I went to church and I went down for prayer and I walked out of church that day and I said, I'm done. Like, I will not like spend another dollar on meth. And, and I haven't, you know, April 2nd, I'll have four years clean from meth and, um, which is a miracle. Um, but, uh, you know, six weeks clean from meth. Um, I went to, uh, San Diego for a vacation to see my friend Kristen and I was there and, you know, they have beautiful, a beautiful life and, you know, um, uh, fifth wills and, you know, they're just very normal people, you know, and she said, Hey, you want to have a drink? And I said, no, I don't think that's a good idea. But then I rationalized it and said, you know, I'm, I'm in beautiful San Diego and I'm on vacation and they're not tweakers. And like, it's okay. I can drink, you know, but, um, it just, absolutely. I can't drink, you know, then I'm like, thinking of like trying to run off and how can I go find meth and crying about my mom and trying to start fights and just this craziness. And I never picked back up a meth again, but it was just every time, you know, and I went on that like that for four months. It was, was, had that vacation with her in San Diego, came back here, you know, and, uh, my last day out drinking, I was out at, uh, I was out at the lake and I had, um, I was wasted and, you know, um, been out on the boat and was totally planning of how I was going to, uh, how I was going to, as soon as we got back into town, how I was going to go score some meth, you know? And, um, and then even my drunkest moment, I was like, wait, you can't, can't do that. Blake is here visiting and he's going to be going home. This was a Saturday. Blake's going to be going home on Wednesday. I can do it then, you know, and I came home and that night I was so, so, you know, went to bed, woke up the next morning, was so grateful 
that I that I didn't you know that I didn't use meth and I was like okay I gotta quit drinking because this is too many every time for four months oh my gosh you know this like drinking and then trying not to use meth but still being just an absolute nightmare to anyone around me I was like I'm done like I can't I can't drink anymore but I didn't go to a meeting right away you know and uh that was Sunday morning Sunday Monday Tuesday Wednesday Wednesday morning I wake up and I'm just going to take my son to the the airport that day. And I was like, you know what? I have got to get busy. Absolutely got to get busy. Um, You know, I'm dropping him off at the airport. I'm either, you know, I'm either going to get dope or I'm going to a meeting. You know, what's my choice? And, um, you know, I called my sponsor and I came back in and I just got busy, you know, with working a program and, um, you know, just truly just worked my steps and, you know, one of the hardest amends for me was, uh, you know, not being able to make a direct amends to my mom, you know, and, uh, and I wrote this letter, I wrote this letter and, um, you know, I had these horrible nightmares of my mom and, uh, that, you know, just because of what the cancer did to her body. But when I wrote this, um, this amends letter to her, you know, it just totally, I had this beautiful dream of her and she was restored and she was healthy and she was happy. And, um, you know, that was just a miracle for me. You know, my life is amazing today. All relationships in my life have been restored. You know, I, um, I manage this apartment complex. I manage this apartment complex as a five-time felon. You know, um, my kids and I have a great relationship today. I'm a good mom today. You know, um, my son moved here and graduated high school living with me. He got to see me, you know, um, he gets, both of my kids get to see me, you know, they see me, um, you know, I go to meetings. That's what I do. You know, I go to a, I, I lead a meditation meeting, women's meditation meeting on, um, on, uh, right now I'm chairing it for this month, but on Wednesday nights and, you know, I just recently started going to a grief share group on Tuesday nights to help me. Cause I've just, obviously I'm still just, you know, I just miss her. I miss my mom. And, um, I know she's very much a part of all of this, um, but it's just that I think it's just something that that uh, will kind of always be there. You know what I mean? Um, will always be there because I just love her. She was amazing. And um, but yeah, so I go to this grief share and, um, you know, it's cool because I get to connect with these other people that have lost their loved ones, you know, and uh, the gr- one of the group facilitators, she lost her daughter, who's my age. And uh, this... Tuesday night, you know, she was telling me, she said, Amanda, you really have this gift. You need to do the training and do a grief share because you understand it. You know, you understand it. And even though you were, you know, in so much pain, you know, you have a good life today. And even though I'm sitting here bawling, my life is amazing. Like it's really good. And I never thought that, um, I never thought that I could be this happy and this free, you know, and, uh, it's just to anyone that's like struggling. And if you think that you can't get through something, you know, it's unbearable pain. And it's like, you can, you absolutely can. I live my life every day to honor my mom absolutely to honor her. And I try to help as many people as I can. And I try to, you know, um, to be there and to give hope, you know, I have this upside my door that says hope, you know, and I, that's like every day I go out into the world and I'm carrying hope, you know, because it's like, I was once so completely and utterly hopeless. And today I just, I live on hope, you know, I'm, I am high on hope today. And, um, 
You know, I'm just really, really, really so grateful for this life and for my God, my very big God that, you know, that that is um, that has restored me to sanity and that, you know, through all of the through um, all of it, like God was always there. You know, I just have to seek him and I just have to continue to seek him. And I have to, you know, I have to help others like my grief doesn't stop with me, with my comfort. You know, I have to uh, I have to help other people and um you know, um, just really, really grateful, um, to be, to be where I'm at today, you know? And, um, it's like, if I don't, if I don't stay sober, I've got nothing, you know? And, um, I've got a really, really good life. And, um, you know, my brother too, I mentioned about my brother that we were both not well. Um, I just have to say my brother's well today too. Like he is well today. He's, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't, you know, he's not in the rooms like I am, you know, he's very active in church. And you know what? I mean, it's just absolutely a miracle that we are both um, clean and sober today. And we're both good parents today. He's got a little boy. He's got full custody of his little boy. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's a good life. It really is. It's all, it was all, you know, it was all so bad and such a bad life. And, you know, it was all just, and I had to get away from Arizona, you know, and it was constantly feeling like I needed to go get away from here or there. And it's like, no matter where you go, there you are, you know, and it's all start, it's an inside job. You got to fix this here. And, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm free today and I'm really, really grateful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. I'm sitting here crying and <laughs> you're crying, but thank you for being so vulnerable and open. And I'm so proud of you. Four years clean and sober from meth. That's amazing. Yeah, it'll be four years um, from alcohol. Four years from alcohol on seven twenty nine on July. That's awesome. What advice do you have for others, either that are going through what you're going through, or love someone that's going through what you're going through? to reach out they're absolutely you're not alone and there absolutely um is help there there is help and there is you know um so many people that struggle with alcohol and drug addiction and there are so many people you know everyone has a family member knows someone that struggles with this you know um and so just absolutely reach out for help. There's help for you. There's help for, you know, support groups for, for people that just, that love someone who's, who's, you know, um, suffering with addiction. So absolutely reach out, go to a meeting. Um, don't try to carry it all by yourself because there's absolutely people that, that need you just like you need them. And we, we heal each other. We help each other. I think that's my biggest takeaway from what you shared today is if somebody does need help and they're afraid or they're intimidated or whatever like they need to know that if they go to meetings and they get a sponsor they're actually helping that sponsor and the people that are there as well yep. absolutely 100 percent. you know um i have three sponsees and um it's absolutely um, my solution today you know and uh, we absolutely help each other and um you know it's just it's just an amazing thing that um it's just such a gift that it's like all the awful painful stuff that I've been through is not for is not for is not for nothing that can totally help someone else you know and um it's just uh it's just truly a gift that you know it says we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it and it's um you know it's uh, it's so true all right, guys, I know that that was a difficult one to listen to. It was for me because my brother that passed, meth was something that he was addicted to for years and years. 
And what I loved about Amanda sharing her story was I could just see the possibility and the hope that, you know, had he lived another day, there's a possibility that he could have decided to stop and decided to get help and treatment that's required and needed when, you know, anybody's trying to deal with addiction. Um, I'm working on some things lately. It's pretty cool. I was asked to contribute to a book that's doing awareness around mental health. So I'm looking forward and excited to do that. I'll be sharing that with you guys. Um, Working on a video right now, actually encouraging people to get treatment for addiction, if that's something, you know, just trying to do whatever I can to reduce the stigma and educate people that may not have that information that addiction is a disease and that there's treatment and there's hope out there for people. So stay tuned for that. I'll have more information for you guys on the addiction support podcast.com website, and I'll have more information for you next week on the podcast. As always, I see you surrounded with light and love. I know miracles happen and I hope that you just have an amazing week. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Addiction Support Podcast. Addiction support for family and friends from people who've been there. www.addictionsupportpodcast.com.